0: Welcome to Neighborly. Remain at your post. House number 36. Little Street. There are alliances to be made on our lovely little treat. Some are built on mutual respect and admiration, some are built on common sense, and others are built on fear. Those are my favourites. This tale is the tale of the one man who is smart enough to make an alliance, instead of running like a coward at the first sight of trouble. The name of today's protagonist? Cadigan Ross Cadigan Ross lives at number 36. He is a slight man, who once walked the pavement with pride, but now slinks along it like a broken dog. He is, in many ways, a broken dog. He had such dreams when he moved here. He was young once. Now, he is not. He has given his best decades to a neighbourhood that does not care for him. A neighbourhood that rarely sees him as anything but a part of the scenery. A neighbourhood which... When it does notice him, looks on him with a mix of trepidation and pity. Poor Cadigan. The day that Cadigan Ross discovers his first graze is pleasingly desaturated, almost as if in solidarity with his new stage of the postman's life cycle. The sky hangs bloated with a milky pale claustrophobia of the kind that can only grow over he doesn't know how long. Number thirty six had always been shabby from underuse before he had arrived. The lawn had gone from being as dry and patchy as a 14-year-old's first beard to a full-blown trip hazard for passing pedestrians, so it must have been a while. And he's no spring chicken, that's for certain. Years, then. Definitely years, though it's hard to tell when every day begins to burn to the nest. Next. Sorry. By the time we've reached him here, on this day, in this tale, Cadogan has given his best decades to Little Treat in its residence, His head hurts. An itch has been building there for a while now, burrowing underneath his scalp where he can't quite scratch it. Last night, he noticed a bump that flared white raw with pain when he brushed it hidden just behind his hairline. He had washed his hands and resolved not to touch it again. When he was a teen, he had spent years trying desperately to get rid of the raised red bumps that left blood on his pillow and his social life in tatters. The scars it left behind still scatter his cheeks. If it had come back... In the back of his mind, he recalled that stress was supposedly a contributing factor to acne, and he huffs a laugh through his nose. Funny. He was too tired to be stressed. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe this was his body's way of fighting back after his brain had given up and into accepting whatever scraps of normal he could find. Maybe. And it is normal, or so he tells himself as he rubs the sleep from his eyes. It has to be. He knows the rules, knows not to dig too deep to let things be exactly as they appear. No, not exactly as they appear, because sometimes that would take him down one of those forbidden paths that led to uncovering secrets. The best way to keep a secret is to never know it in the first place. Cadigan has spent years perfecting the art of unknowing people's business. He started by ignoring strange noises. He'd been on the job a week or two, and had learned by then that the residents of Number One Little Street were a perfectly ordinary little family. There was Dorothy, a force of nature who reigned over the neighbourhood, her rather more retiring husband, whose name always escaped him, and their daughter, Agatha. Cadigan didn't think they'd had a dog. He'd never seen one before. He's never seen one since. He hasn't seen Agatha either, come to think of it. But he'll never forget what he heard. Letterbox brass doesn't do much to mask the sound of tearing flesh, nor the choking, bitter howls and growls and snarls of a beast that has finally, finally been freed. Better not to think of it. It must have been a dog. Dogs bite postmen all the time, and dogs can sound like that, can't they? Cadigan takes care to quicken his step around number one nowadays. If he ever spots a reddish stain at the corner of the husband's lips, well, people like their steak rare, don't they? There's a butcher nearby. He hears she's quite good. He tries not to notice how sad she looks when he knocks on her door. There's too much hurt on Little Street. He sees it in so many eyes, eyes like the ones that greet him at number 23. (laughs) If he thinks that's bad, he should see their sister's eyes as they moulder in the basement of some murderer's wife. Better yet, he should see what happened to lovely Lauren of house number eight. Whenever he thinks of her, his mouth goes ashen with the most glorious guilt. This is his street, his responsibility. He should have known not to trust anyone else with it, no matter how solid they seemed. Everything he sees and hears two about and from one doctor, or was it Madame? I. Rutford, sparks a new squirming sort of dread in his belly. She seems to be a one-way street, to a disconcertingly literal dead end, thinks Cadigan, which is a fair assumption for him to make. She's certainly unsettling. But this morning, as with most mornings, the pain is Cadigan's. There's a new headache, obviously. The throbbing temples and spiking hairline are new. But there's another pain, one that has built and bloomed into agonizing numbness. A pain born of a monkey's paw deal he barely remembers making. It had been a hot night when it started. It had been an odd day. A blank envelope had been left in a postbox. It felt so full, so young Cadigan had flipped it for a return address. Nothing. The only thing for it was to open it, just to see if there were any clues as to who the envelope was for. The paper inside was as blank as the envelope, and wrapped around a small magnifying glass. Almost as soon as it was in his hand, it was gone, and all that was left to show for it was a scratched wrist and a fallen feather. Young Cadogan had been shiny new from swearing in with his oh-so-secret society of uppity delivery boys, ones who serve the corners of the world that twist sharply strange enough to cut through mundane realities. So Shiny knew that he didn't think any more in the matter. He ignored his feeling of being watched. And he opened all the windows to let in a breeze. He didn't even pause to worry about what else he might let inside. Young Cadigan was quite stupid. You should never give the night an opening. You don't know what sort of darkness might crawl in. He slept soundly at first. The inside of number 36 was as shiny new as young Cadogan himself, decorated in exactly the kind of soulless comfort that so many rented houses find themselves slathered in. Why drip with diamonds when you can drip with magnolia paint and light oak veneer? He didn't hear the first ruffle at his window, or the second on his bedside table, or any of the quiet flutterings of feathers that followed. Most birds on Little Street had neither the presence of mind to smother any errant coos and caws and chirps while they slink about, nor the dexterity for the task that lay ahead of them. They're better trained now. You remember how I told you that the postman's lips were sealed? No? It was many tales ago. I don't blame you. But young Cadogan didn't wake up until the very last stitch. I'm sure you can imagine the scene. That first scream did more damage than had been intended, but you can hardly blame him. Unfortunately, Terror made an excellent seam ripper. It was all very messy. There's still a stain on the bedside table from where the cloying, salt-red rivulets had raced past the fingers young Cadogan pressed to his mouth, desperate in their bids to escape the confines of his human flesh. It was a long night. Every tiny twitch that passed over young Cadogan's features sent another shock through him. He couldn't even cry. Sobs buckled his face in ways that tore open the paths his body desperately wanted closed. Tears licked at the weeping edges of his lips and coaxed them into recoiling, which amounted to the same thing. Still, he had plasters and antibacterial wipes in a first aid kit, And he muddled through. The hazy dawn awoke some hours later, but young Cadigan hadn't slept. Instead, he washed his face and threw on his jacket, and he drove himself to collect the sack of mail that he knew would need delivering. And thank God for our good doctor. He's the only reason I can think of that Cadigan's face is even half as pretty as it is now, although pretty is a stretch. You see... Whatever anyone might say about young Cadigan, even I must admit that he had grit. After his lips had healed enough for him to start talking again, the birds came back. This time, he woke up. You would too if an owl crashed through your window and barreled onto your chest. He tried valiantly to fight them off, but no such luck. All went as before, and young Cadigan was left bleeding quietly, staring out into shattered night. This happened again, and again, and again. It was luck, really, that meant young Cadogan found himself smiling a bleep smile at one Dr. Ripner, isn't it? A mere hour after one such attack. He, of course, ushered the poor boy in, and the whole sad story came spilling out. It was Ripner who suggested, slowly, cautiously, that if the birds were after the boy in such a specific manner, then there must be some reason. He also advised young Cadogan to run, run the way all his predecessors had run, in order to escape such persecution. Young Cadigan had politely refused. It did, however, give him an idea. He took something to fight the infection, promised to return if it ever happened again, and that he wouldn't let the time of night keep him away. It's a sad life when your doctor is the closest thing you have to a friend. He returned home slowly that night. He had to visit the library. They had one of those printers, the ones that can print out huge sheets of paper however you like them. Young Cadogan was not after huge, however. Instead, he took his lovely sheet of A2 paper and made lots of lovely little letters. And then he put them into lovely little envelopes. And then he walked the length of Little Street and posted sent envelopes into lovely little birdhouses all the way along it. By morning... He had his answer. It was left in the post box outside number 17. Blank envelope again, but sealed with, oh God, that's not sanitary. You. The note was all of three sentences long. It said, eyes open to snoop, mouth open to speak, shoes. At the very bottom was a postscript in a shaky hand. Rook likes the squishy bits. Rook hopes you let her have your eyes. Not important, but she wouldn't stop squalling till I wrote it. Well then, what would you have chosen, I wonder? For young Cadigan, the choice was easy. He speaks with his hands now, and the mystery master who tied his tongue seemed not to notice her care. I suppose it's the symbol of the thing that counts. It took a little while to find someone willing to do as he asked, but now Cadogan sports a very fetching chain about his lips. It is just enough slack to allow a straw to pass through. He doesn't take it off except to clean it. He's found he prefers the taste of titanium to rusty blood. So, yes, his face hurts too. The scars still ache, and it's little wonder. Cadogan can swear that the flesh is hardening around the chains, that it's getting harder even to smile. He hopes that it isn't true, but he can't rule it out. He'll have to ask Dr. Ripner. He always knows what to do. So Cadigan pulls his weary bones from his bed and goes to the bathroom mirror. He looks tired, not just from lack of sleep. He splashes water on his face and towels it off, wishing the cold felt refreshing, rather than just another cruelty to endure. At least his towels are soft. It's then that he notices the mirror. Or rather, his own reflection. The bump he found last night is gone. Or, not gone, exactly. More like transformed. Something, something gray and thick and hard has pushed its way through his skin to sweep back into the rest of his hair. Cadogan raises a hand runs a finger over whatever this is. He knows he shouldn't touch it, but something in him is drawn to it, and before he knows it, he's pinching. And he didn't mean to do that. It just happened. Like an instinct. And now the carapace is cracking, and... Oh, God. The noise that comes out of his mouth is something between a sob and a squawk. It's a feather. It's... I mean, it's undeniable, really. It's a little squashed, presumably from the protective sheath the Cadigan just broke. And why is he spreading feathers? This can't be happening. Little Street is just a normal street. He's told himself over and over and over until it's like breathing. And surely, surely, he wouldn't have been able to fool himself for so long because this, this is, there's another one. And he cracks it too, and lo and behold, it's another bloody feather. And further back on his head, he can feel more of those bumps. You know, the ones that turn into feathers, apparently, because that's normal, because he's some kind of bird now, and... That's what does him in. Cadigan lunges for the toilet and chokes, bile coming up his throat. What sort of sick joke? His mouth or his eyes? Right. Certainly not his entire being. Not his entire humanity. Behind the frosted glass, a crow crows out a laugh. Then it flies away, leaving Cadigan to weep. I want to draw your attention to a little white envelope. It has an odd little stamp in the corner, not the sword you usually find, certainly neither first nor second class. In a while, maybe hours, maybe weeks, Cadigan will fold himself into a nook below the stairs. His joints purr against ligaments and sinew as bones scrape skin between itself and plaster. And when he is safely hidden from any prying eyes and flapping beaks, he writes the letter that he will place inside. Would you like to know what it says? Of course you would. To my successor, forgive me. I wish I could have done better. Don't be a hero. Leave this post. Yours, Cadigan Ross. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Today's house was written by A.L. Withington, with dialogue editing by Zoe Davis, soundscaping by Matthew O.K. Smith, music by Alex Schwartz, and art by Claudia Appleart. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co, or follow us on social media at NeighborlyPod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, you would appreciate it if you told a friend, because they might tell a friend, and 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 who knows? Eventually, God might finally listen to us. Today's exercise tape is asking you to bury a body for them. That's a classic workout technique. Get to it. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.